podcast listeners. My name is James Baca, the host of the Wire Bang Sucks podcast, inviting you to join us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash WireBankSucks to sign up. We ask that you contribute as little as $1 to support the podcast. Your contribution will help keep this podcast alive, keep the lights on, and help us continue to fight for your rights as a consumer. I consider this my passion project. I'm dedicating hundreds of hours per month to fighting for you. So for just $1, you could help me continue the fight. With any contributions over $2, you'll start to receive bonus podcasts. $5 will get you a small merchandise item, and $15 will get you all future books published by yours truly, James Baca, the host of this podcast. We need strength in numbers, so support us on Patreon today. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash WireBankSucks, and thank you so much for being a part of the team. Welcome to the WireBank Sucks podcast. My name is James Baca. I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. You know it doesn't suck? 1,500 followers on our Twitter account at BankScrewedUs. Guys, I can't tell you how thankful, how grateful I am for that. Uh, we hit the milestone yesterday about 2 o'clock local, and i got to tell you, I was really excited. To think where we've come in about a year is pretty amazing. I started out on Twitter about a year ago this week. Wasn't really sure how to work Twitter, to be quite honest with you. I only really use Twitter to look at you know sports news and you know, just see the occasional opinion about something. But I really took to it, you know, full force with at Bank Screwed Us. A couple of months in, I had about 90 followers. I was like, well, I guess that's good. I guess 90 people understand what I'm talking about. And then I started to hit my stride. I started to understand what this project was going to be about. And the followers just kept on coming. I got about 410 um, as of late April, right around the time of my birthday, and between April and now, which is about six and a half months, I've had 1,100 more followers, and that's just amazing. And I've said it before: people come and go on our face on our Twitter page. Excuse me, you know, once someone actually gets their problem solved, they thank me, and occasionally they'll, you know, they'll unfollow me. And and I understand that. I mean, why would you want to see just constant frustration, the the likes of which you went through yourself? Not too long before, so I understand whenever people leave um, following us at Bank Screwed Us on Twitter, I totally understand it. But I'm really thankful for the 1,500 plus people that have remained, and it's only getting bigger, guys. I mean, the fact that we have 1,500 followers, we have so many plays of our podcast, it's really um, overwhelming. I'm trying really hard to make this a full time. Uh, proposition for me in terms of making this the full-time job that I want. I want to help people as much as I could. And you better believe this podcast is helping a lot of people. You better believe all of my Twitter work is helping a lot of people. We have changed lives. We've saved over $260,000 since April the 1st. Just talking with customers, understanding their problems, and pointing them in the right direction. And that I'm really proud of. I'm getting to do the work that I was paid to do by Bank of America, but I actually get to do it, and I'm really excited about it. Who knows where this is going to take us? I'm looking forward to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 more. I know that there's a lot of people in in media that are listening to this podcast, a lot of people in media who are following my Twitter page, waiting for my books to come out, and I, I understand that this very well could get really big really fast. So guys, the ones who have stuck with me since the beginning, thank you so much for that. I'm never going to forget you guys. I, I remember pretty much everyone who follows me. I, I just am weird like that. So if I see you online, of course, I'm going to talk to you and thank you and just show my appreciation that you're supporting this project. 
Other ways of supporting the project, of course, is by Patreon. Patreon.com slash us. Donate at least a dollar. If you donate at least a dollar, you're actually contributing to at Bank Screwed Us and Why Your Bank Sucks podcast, continuing the hard work that we're doing. Uh, we have some cool merchandise that's now on our store. I'm going to have a more permanent link for our store in a couple of days. I have some cool stickers that are on there, T-shirts if you want them, and a way of donating on that page as well. And um, I will have my books on there whenever they are available for release, so get ready for that. So many ways to support the podcast. If you have iTunes, please go and leave a five-star review. If you want to leave a comment, that's great too, but at least show... Uh, the value of this podcast by giving that great review because I really do need it guys I want to make sure that the sponsors that I'm seeking out for this podcast understand that I do have a a supportive um, listener base that I do have a dedicated following on Twitter and I have a lot of influence in your day-to-day financial lives because it is the truth you know I want people to see that and I want to continue doing this for you Today's podcast is going to be something that just really bugged me last week. There was two major bank outages. Bank of America, for the second time in as many weeks, had an outage. And it was during Game 6 of the World Series. It totally impacted my baseball viewing. And it literally blew up Twitter. I I had never been more viral than I was on Twitter on Tuesday because of all the conversations I had with frustrated customers who don't normally go on Twitter. And then a few days later, on the first of the month, conveniently enough, our friends at Capital One, who I never really have a lot of bad things to say um, say about, they had an outage, too, that impacted direct deposits. And, of course, first of the month, direct deposits, you got Social Security, you got disability, you got retirement pension, you got normal folks' pay, payroll checks. Um, we're going to discuss what happened. We're going to discuss the winners and the losers of the two bank outages because there are some clear winners and there are some clear losers with this. Guess which ones are the losers? <laughs> so after this brief promotional consideration, we're going to talk about it a little more. So please, please, please stick around. All right, we are back. Now, it's interesting. Whenever I did my emergency podcast about the B of A outage a couple of weeks back, I was donating plasma. I had a gigantic needle in my arm. I was... I was waiting for the for the blood to be put back in me so I can get my money so I can get the hell out of there. When, of course, debit cards stopped working. Of course, people were frustrated. Like, I can't pump gas. I couldn't pay at the grocery store. What's going on? And I knew it was a big thing. I knew I had to drop what I was doing and start reaching out to people and start guiding them on what to do. You know, it, it's just instinctfully in me because I worked at the bank so long. And it kind of came and went after a couple of hours but the damage was done there was a lot of pissed off people um after that outage a couple of weeks ago with b of a and i i was like wow like imagine if it was bigger imagine if something big like that that just impacted a whole day hey i didn't have to wait but seven days to experience that so this past tuesday you know six days ago now as of this podcast I was watching Game 6 of the World Series. I was really intrigued. I was, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I'm always you know, watching the World Series, trying to see who's going to win, and just trying to remember moments. I'm always about moments, and I was just watching the game, not paying attention to Twitter for a while, not paying attention to anything. And then I just decided on a whim to go on, um, of course, at Bank Screwed Us on Twitter, and I search Bank of America like I always do. And how you can tell something really went viral on Twitter is if you do the time, the latest scroll, and you just scroll through the tweets, you'll see like five tweets in a minute. 
you know, usually with Bank of America, someone posts something at 1 o'clock, and then someone posts something at 101, and then maybe there's two or three tweets at 102, and then there's one at 110. It's never continuous. Usually there's a, a break. You know, there's people that are PO'd all the time with Bank of America, but you don't see them just rapid fire. Every 10 seconds, you're, you know, refreshing and you're seeing five new posts. The outage this past Tuesday with Bank of America was insane because quickly, I knew quickly that once I searched Bank of America and I saw um, about 15 posts about Bank of America, what the hell is going on? I can't access my money. Help, Bank of America. It was within a few seconds. And I did something like 480 reply tweets last Tuesday, which was amazing. And I discussed it. I What I do, and it's important for anyone who has a podcast or anyone who has a point of view or they have something that they are selling to you, I guess is the kindest way I should put it. I, I talked individually with every single person that discussed the Bank of America outage. And I let them know, hey, this is what happened last week. This is what you should do. Um, don't try to change your password online because online banking was down. Uh, don't try to use your um, debit card too much because it'll block it. You know, just giving people general advice, just trying to help them as much as I could. And for about an hour and a half, it was just nonstop people. Hey, my Bank of America card isn't working, and I went to Twitter, and it looks like everyone's isn't working. It was this viral thing that was more viral than the World Series at that point. And... I told my wife, I said, you know how I know that this is a really big thing? I said, I just started tweeting 15 minutes ago, and I already have more Twitter impressions at that time than I did the previous six days. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, this is going to be a long night. So I decided to cancel going to the gym. I said, I'm going to just hunker down. And I'm just going to tweet at people and talk to people and make some new friends, make some new followers. You know, I got over two dozen followers that night. I got... A lot of replies. I got to talk to people about what my experiences were. And that's what a, a, a person who influences, which I do believe that I am now, um, in regards to banks, uh, needs to do. And, of course, people were waiting inevitably for Bank of America to put out a statement saying, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's going on with your cards. And here's how we're fixing it. I mean, most companies are smart enough to do that, right? They're smart enough to say, Hey, we're going to let our customers know what's going on. And... You know, what whatever comes after that, any negative comments and so be it. We just want to let our customers know, hey, we're aware of the problem and we're fixing it. Well, as I know, and as I tell anyone that I can tell, Bank of America Help at BFA Help on Twitter closes at 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central. They are done before it gets really late at night. And they don't return until 8 a.m. Eastern the next morning. So this happened around 11 p.m. Eastern Time. It started blowing up about 11 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, a couple of hours after they were already gone. And I saw it as an opportunity to have um, to have a platform, to be honest with you. So I started talking about my project. I started talking to them about what's being impacted and how these things happen because a lot of people were asking me, saying, hey, does this happen a lot at Bank of America? And I said... This doesn't happen. I've never seen it to this effect, but I have been a banker and the computers went out and I wasn't able to open accounts or the ATMs went out of service for absolutely no reason and I didn't know why. So I, I was having this conversation with a lot of people and they started to see the writing on the wall. They said, man, I'm searching Bank of America on Twitter just the last few days and I don't understand why they're so bad. It's 
it's time to move on. It's time to leave. And I think a lot of people, Tuesday was their breaking point because they saw what it's like when you don't have access to your money. My biggest critique of Bank of America, aside from, of course, you know, getting rid of branches, trying to alienate older folks and trying to alienate younger folks from going there. They're trying their hardest to keep you from your money. You know, with removal of ATMs in public places like malls or airports, you know, and having ATMs that are quote unquote newer at branches, but they're so slow because of overuse with deposits and other things. It it, it almost feels like Bank of America is trying to keep you from what's in your account at all times. And and I really think that a lot of people don't realize that. So whenever they see that they're not able to use their card and they go to the ATM and their card's not working, the ATM isn't even working. Bank of America's not contacting them um, on social media because they left a couple hours you know, before that. And of course, the 1-800 number closes at a certain hour too and they, they couldn't get a hold of someone on there. Then you start to feel helpless. You start to feel, what the hell's going on? Now there's a bunch of weirdos online that are talking about conspiracy theories that this is the first sign of the banking system failing and all that. I think that's stupid. I mean, I really I really want to tell you that, yes, I do believe Bank of America's got a lot of serious issues, especially infrastructure-wise. They want the whole world to be online. They want the whole world to not use actual inside-the-branch banking. But they don't have the systems in place to support 66 million people doing that, in my personal opinion. So I, I don't think it's a nefarious, oh, someone's taking over and the banks are going to fail tomorrow and better sell your stock because it's going out of business. No, that's crazy talk for crazy people. You know, banks are there to make money, yes. Banks are there theoretically to help customers, yes. But I think these things are a result of cutting corners here, cutting corners there, and just trying to find different ways of just saving a buck, to be honest with you. And the outage just in turn really impacted how a lot of people felt about them, which was negative already because a lot of the same people that I see on Twitter criticizing Bank of America were, of course, criticizing them over this as well. So I was uh, tweeting up a storm for about two or three hours until people started to say, hey, I can log into my online banking again. I can get money out of the ATM. I was able to use my debit card at the grocery store. Things are looking good. So I noticed that in that short time that it was out, though, Um, I had ended up with the second biggest day of tweet impressions that I have ever had. And we're talking that it was 11 p.m. my time, which is 1 a.m. Eastern, which is just literally an hour into the day I had the second most tweet impressions. And I was amazed at how big this was. So I immediately go on Twitter and I just try to find top stories, you know, try to find news companies who are talking about these things, just trying to find anyone that's in the know that's in the media talking about this dead silence guys there was one san francisco tv station that posted within an hour of the outage happening that there was an outage happening and i think it's ktvu in san francisco i want to make sure i get give them credit because they were literally the only ones that posted anything online that said hey bank of america's down and this is what people are talking about this is what's going on and It was amazing to me, CNN, CNBC, all these people that have all of this knowledge and insider info, they have a lot of people in the know. So when something like this happens, this is supposed to be their bread and butter, and I just didn't see it. Yeah, there were a lot of people who have, you know, cryptocurrency ties and everything that we're talking about, and they're talking about this is why you go crypto. 
I'm I'm for you guys discussing it that way, but help people first overcome their problems and then try to poach them into crypto is is, is all I'm saying about that. I really think that it's it's easy to just be a smear campaign of misinformation. I try really hard not to be that. I try to give people facts. But a lot of people who just say, well, there's typical banks. This is why you should short the banks and go crypto. Now, discuss what happened first and then do your sales pitch. That's what's typical salesman 101 right there. So I didn't see anything online. And I was really just straining Really strange just to find anyone talking about it. And there was no one that talked about it except one one reporter for Forbes. And his name is Sergey Klep, Klebnikov, excuse me. And he's a Forbes staff writer. And his title headline was Bank of America's Outage Panics Consumers. Here's what we know so far. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it, the bullet points. It says reports flooded in over social media last night with scores of customers saying that their bank accounts and information were inaccessible. The outage apparently hit across the country with Bank of America's web login, mobile app, customer service lines, and even ATM services all going down. Other customers that were unable to pay bills and their debit and credit cards were getting declined. Down Detector, a website that provides information about user issues with different services, registered more than 9,100 problems at Bank of America last night, starting around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time and spanning several hours. Most reports were online banking and mobile banking. Although several thousand issues were reported, Bank of America has 66 million customers in total. And I've always said this. Several thousand people had an issue. But whenever you say it that way, whenever 66 million people bank there, 66 million people aren't using their cards at the exact same time. If 66 million people were out and about and buying groceries and going to Walmart and going out to have some drinks, 66 million people would have had a problem. So I, I, I don't want to downplay the significance of it by saying only a few thousand people were impacted. 9,100 people who know what the hell down detector is is pretty amazing to me. Let's just say one out of 100 people know what down detector is. Well, that's 910,000 people. Then you start to eat into that 66 million and say, hey, a good chunk of people got screwed over. And I bet it was closer to to you know 900,000 than just 9,000. It's just, you know... The law of numbers, you know, it's it's really frustrating. Some users speculated that this was part of scheduled maintenance, but others refuted that, saying the bank had not provided any advance updates or answered user concerns during the outage. I worked there 13 years. The only time I've ever really seen them do online banking outages was on a Sunday, Sunday like early morning hours. And usually it wasn't everything offline. They'll say you won't be able to access your balance or you won't be able to transfer money or the credit card link is going to be disabled for four hours while we do scheduled maintenance. And and none of that was going on. So people were kind of just giving them the benefit of the doubt saying, oh, they're probably undergoing maintenance. No, you know what you do if you're Bank of America? You put a sign up saying we're undergoing maintenance. We'll be back shortly. So if it was maintenance, then they would have had something to say about that and say, hey, it's maintenance. So Sergey actually reached out to Bank of America to ask for comment. And this is the thing that just pisses me off. When asked for comment, Bank of America said that the outage was technology-related, quote-unquote, and lasted for about an hour. The spokesperson said that the bank now the bank is now back to business as usual. So the outage was technology-related. It's like saying that my hunger is food-related. It, it doesn't make any sense. Of course it's technology-related. Your technology failed. That's why people couldn't use their technology to check 
their bank accounts, which according to Bank of America, Brian Moynihan, and even CNBC's Jim Cramer says, Bank of America is a tech company. Well, if people think that you suck as a bank and then you call yourselves a tech company and your technology failed, aren't you a crappy tech company too? Can I call you a crappy tech company if you say that's what you are and the one thing that you pride yourself on was not available? It, it, it was just crazy to me that they said that. And it wasn't even a blanket statement that was released to the media and you know a lot of news outlets saying hey this is what happened and this is how we fixed it no sergey from forbes he reached out to them and bank of america told him it was a technology issue he was literally the only one that i can find online that said hey this is what happened according to them and it was crazy to me how that was the only one and he did a great job i mean his Forbes article had over 150,000 views on it, which is amazing. I, and that, that tells me a couple of things. One, he's good at his job. And two, there wasn't a lot of other media out there reporting this. So the fact that Bank of America just released a little, it was a technology issue to him, without doing an official statement posted on their Twitter accounts, or even posted to, you know, at B of A Help whenever someone said, hey, B of A Help, what the hell is going on with Bank of America? They didn't have anything to say. Even if you just said the down detector number of 9,100 people were impacted by it, I think that's still significant enough whenever, you know, something like this happens. You know, I, I live near El Paso, Texas. The El Paso, Texas um, local news will report whenever there's a power outage that impacts 500 people. So 9,100 people, yeah, it may not be a lot of people in the grand scheme of things in the United States, were still impacted to the point that they went to Down Detector. And obviously not all 9,100 people went to Twitter on top of Down Detector. I'm sure they were talking about it on Facebook. I'm sure they were talking about it on other social platforms. So you know and I know that there were a lot more people that were impacted by it. But Bank of America basically just said, yeah, no, we had an outage and now it's fixed. It was a technology issue. They're not telling you what's going on. If you ever look at Bank of America's news online, you'll hear that they talk about, you know, they stop using third parties for um, saving data, that they have their own cloud or something like that. They're, they really pride themselves on all this technology stuff, but whenever something major like this happens and people are impacted without their money, they're like, oh, yeah, there wasn't anything. It was just, it was all on people's heads, you know. There was an issue, yeah, but we got it fixed, so on and so forth. There was a couple of things that were interesting about the outage, though, that, that just really just piqued my interest. Be of a help on Twitter. Um, you know, they typically begin and end their day with a, Hey, good morning, Bank of America customers. We're here until 9 p.m. Eastern today to help you with all your banking needs. Just, you know, DM us if you have any problems. Joseph or Mark or whatever. They always have that good morning post and then always at... 9 p.m. Eastern time when it's time to go, they go, well, we had a fun day helping our customers. You know, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be right back at 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow to help you with more of your banking needs. Thank you so much. So Bank of America deleted the Tuesday morning post before the outage, the Tuesday goodnight post after the outage happened, and the Wednesday good morning post off of their uh, Twitter feed. It was totally gone. Why? Because they had so many people commenting on their thread. Hey, what the hell is going on with your bank? Why can't I access my money? You know, literally the users of Twitter just commandeered that tweet and just were just angry and frustrated at Bank of America. And of course, Twitter's not like Facebook where you can delete people's comments. Yeah, you can block them, but what kind of you know optics is that if you're blocking all of your customers? 
So yeah, Bank of America decided, yeah, we're just going to get rid of those tweets. So now there's this big gap. There's, you know, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Wednesday night. I'm like, what? Well, where's Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning? All that's gone because um, so many frustrated customers just voiced their opinion and now that tweet is forever deleted. So whenever someone tweets, someone posted a tweet and they're adding Bank of America and someone goes, hey, well, what are they replying to? It'll say this tweet is unavailable. So Bank of America did what they can to scrub Twitter or scrub their Twitter about any reference to problems. Any conversations that they had at B of A help was saying, um, we do apologize about the inconvenience. Please try again and let us know if you have any more problems. So first of all, we apologize for the inconvenience, the biggest non-apology in history. Please try again. Mind you that the service had already been restored 12 hours after um, after that. So they're replying to people the next day, the next morning, saying, hey, yeah, try it again. It should work. Thank you, B of A, for trying to help me. Apparently, you guys did something. You guys didn't do anything. You guys are taking credit for all the hard work someone else did to put the system back in place. And you're saying, oh, yeah, go ahead and try again. And if you need any help, we're going to be here to help you out. I mean, how facetious is that? I mean, they, you know, B of A help and the social media team makes it seem like they were working hard at it. Guys, they were offline. They were offline two hours after it began up until 10 hours after it ended. They were they were MIA, and it's so frustrating to me that they not only felt empowered to say, hey, if you need help, let us know, but basically kind of just scrubbed the problem from from their Twitter feed, and they, they didn't make any mention of the outage or what the issue was. This is a publicly traded company, mind you. These There's stockholders here. There's people who probably own Bank of America stock or are antsy about Bank of America and banks in general. Just let them know, yeah, we had an issue, but we fixed it. No biggie. They didn't do that. And it was just so terrifying to me. But I got to tell you, you know, times like that, and I hate saying that I'm an Entropy fan. You know, I'm a big George Carlin fan, um, one of my favorite comedians of all time. He's one of my mentors, to be honest with you. And he always used to say I'm a big Entropy fan. Whenever a lot of bad stuff happens, I'm a happy guy, he used to say. I'm not, because I know that the people who needed their money the most were impacted by that. There there were a lot of people who just had no access to their money. What if they needed to you know, pay their bar tab? I had a guy who was talking about his bar tab wasn't paid. Yeah, you shouldn't go drinking on Tuesdays, but what are you, his mom or dad? He wanted to pay his bill like a man, like an adult, and he couldn't because the bank failed him. What about people who had their cards declined in restaurants? 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time is 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. There's people eating dinner. There's people still with a lot of hours to go in the day, and they couldn't use their cards as well. You have all these people who were just totally impacted by it, and not a peep from Bank of America. Now, the second time in two weeks that something like this has happened were the first two times that these type of outages have happened to this extent since I started at Bank Screwed Us and Wire Bank Sucks to podcast. So do they happen all the time? No, not in that form. Yes, there's been outages in the branch that I was working at. I've heard of ATM outages and stuff. But nothing this just polarizing where it literally takes over my Twitter day because thousands of people are being impacted. So I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie and say, yeah, this is a common occurrence in Bank of America. Because it's not. But my God, if it happens a third time, if it happens a third time, then I don't know what I'm going to say.
I don't know. I'm going to say I'm going to be so frustrated and say, guys, you need to find another bank. I, I want you to be empowered. I want you to find a bank that you feel comfortable with. But if Bank of America is going to have two outages and they've never said anything about them and we know that it existed, I have thousands of tweets that show that it existed, then what exactly are they hiding? What exactly are they trying to keep their their customers and their teammates you know, from? I, I don't know and I don't want to know what they're thinking if that does happen a third time. All I got to say is, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the infrastructure to support full-time self-service banking for 66 million customers is just not there. You know, yeah, there's old people who still want to go into a branch. Yeah, there's people who still want to go into the branch. There's people who just like the human touch. And I know Bank of America doesn't really want that. But even if half of the people right now that bank with them are using online and mobile banking, which I believe... It's in the 35 million customer range out of 66 million. Imagine that twice as much on on the grid, on the system, and one of these failures happens. The economy is going to stop for a couple hours, guys. There's going to be people not being able to take care of their responsibilities because their debit card's not working. They can't access their online banking. They can't even use EvilZell. Because because their online banking app isn't working. I mean, it literally will grind to a halt millions of people's days because of a technology issue. You know, I'm tired this morning. Apparently, I had a sleep issue. I mean, give me a break. Own up to your mistake. And and I'm gonna tell you. And I'm gonna tell you why you own up to your mistake. Because when it hits the fan, when something bad happens, you you really want to believe that you're. Your bank, you know, the company that you like is empowered to say, hey, this is what happened and this is how we're going to fix it. And that's why I got to give it up to Capital One. They had a moment on Friday, which is the 1st of November, 1st of the month, Social Security, Disability, Retirement, all these people getting paid. Whenever the 1st is on a Friday, all hell breaks loose inside branch banking. Trust me, it is a busy day. You barely take any lunch. You barely have a time to breathe. I used to come home with the worst headache and I used to want to eat a lot and drink a lot because of the first of the month. So imagine waking up early November 1st in Capital One, which is at Ask Capital One, and they said, Capital One is experiencing a technical issue impacting customer money movement, including direct deposits, and the ability for some customers to access accounts. We are actively working to resolve the issue and restore all services. We greatly apologize for the inconvenience. So they had 1,200 comments on that. Now, Capital One, I don't know the numbers of how many people bank Capital One, but it's not Bank of America, guys. Bank of America is one of the biggest banks in the world, and Capital One's probably a fraction of that when it comes to deposit banking. And they had 1,200 comments. They had 374 likes, 255 retweets. That that tweet went viral. And yes, out of those 1,200 comments, there were so many people talking crap. I understand that. They were talking a lot of crap about it, and it was frustrating. And I got to admit, you know, it takes a lot of guts for a bank to just say, hey, we're having a problem, and this is how we're going to fix it. Whenever I worked at Bank of America, this is what they used to tell us. And I don't believe one word of it now because I know that they don't help people with problems. You always want to acknowledge the problem, say, yes, sir, we do have a problem with your account or whatever. My name is James, and I'm going to do what I can to escalate this, to make this um, make this go away, to resolve this issue for you properly. And that's what Capital One did. They did textbook um, bank training, saying, we understand there's a problem. We're actively working on it. I do apologize. Give us some time. We're going to get this done for you. 
I like that. And you know what? You know what's crazy about it? You search for Capital One outage on Google. There's like a thousand Capital One outage um, stories out there. And why? Because Capital One just basically threw themselves to the mercy of the courts and said, yeah, we screwed up and we're going to try to fix it. We're going to see what happened and we're going to get it fixed. All the news all the news stories about it were, hey, Capital One has an outage, millions of people impacted. And then, of course, the comments were, oh, I never liked Capital One. You know, people jumping on the bandwagon. And I felt so bad for Capital One because they actually owned up to it when Bank of America didn't do a freaking thing. 66 million customers, one-fifth of the country, and they couldn't even say, yeah, we had a, we had an outage, guys, we're so sorry. That's the cojones. That is the gravitas of an egomaniacal type of company whenever Bank of America doesn't even acknowledge that there's a problem. It, it, it is maddening to me. The Capital One thing happened at the worst time for them, of course, the first of the month, and a couple hours later, they, um, they have it still on their pin tweet, and it says the technical issues impacting some of our services have been resolved. If you continue to experience any difficulties, please reach out to us. We sincerely apologize for the inconvenience. They went from greatly to sincerely, and I, I appreciate that they were apologizing. And all I got to say is, oh my goodness, you know, to own up to a moment is important to me. If Bank of America would own up to a lot of things that were going wrong with it, I would probably have a different um, tune. I really would. Yeah, I got fired by them, so what? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of customers who just hate banks just for the sake of hating them. They don't really have any reason. They just say, I don't like big banks. Well, that's a lazy way of just putting it, putting down a bank. But you know what? Capital One put itself out there and just said, you know what? We made a mistake. We had errors, but we fixed them. Thank you so much, and we appreciate your patience for this. Bank of America didn't do that. So it, it 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 proves my point through and through that Bank of America can really care less what the average person thinks of them. You know, do I think that you know millionaire customers were impacted by Bank of America's outage? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Also, millionaire customers have they have like ten credit cards that they could choose from. Oh, Bank of America's not working. Oh, damn it! I'm gonna have to use my Amex. I'm gonna have to use my City Card. I don't know what's going on, Bank of America, but it's no big deal. It's just dinner. I'll 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 pay it later. That's how people think, but whenever you have what my former bosses call one-trick ponies, someone who gets one paycheck one time a month and they can't access it, Capital One got off worse on the, you know, in the in the Twitter circuit because they put themselves out there saying we screwed up, and a bunch of people piled on them saying, yeah, you guys suck. Bank of America knows that if it says something like that, that they won't have one thousand two hundred comments on there. They'll have. 12,000 comments on there and that tweet will go viral to the point of 50 million impressions which is you know 20 times more than the biggest month that I ever had they know this is the case so they just choose not to not to say anything about it and hope that it goes away that's the Bank of America way to be honest with you so seeing these outages like I said I don't want to be conspiracy theorists because that's not my game I'm not gonna say hey it's time to get out of these big banks now yeah, get out of them if you don't like the service, which is what I tell you all the time. But it's not some larger thing going on. But if it does happen a third time, then I'm going to start to wonder and worry. I'm going to say, hey, you know, shouldn't there be people who are paid to do this? I know Bank of America has 204,000 employees or something like that. Surely 10 of them are on the IT team just looking out for potential denial of service things that are happening online or just anything like that. What are all these people actually doing? 
I, I, I wish I knew. I was a manager, and my role was defined as sales, and my role was, was defined as service, and this is what you do, and this is your task. I had a task, and I accomplished it, and what happened? I got fired for it. The people that run social media, the people that run IT for Bank of America, what did they actively do to discuss this with their customers? They did nothing. And that, that just rubbed me the wrong way, guys. In retrospect, of course, I know I, I got a lot of impressions discussing um, what's going on with Capital One customers too. But at the same time, I really appreciate how they owned up to the moment and saying, you know, what happened there. So I really give them a pass on their outage. Don't let it happen again, Capital One, because you were honest about it. You know, honesty got me everywhere in life, including married. Being direct and honest and not lying to people and just showing people who you truly are is the is the mark of a good company. The reason why I say Bank of America is not a good company is because they just had no they had no desire to let people know what was going on. They make it seem like it's the CIA over there and it's just ridiculous. I, I guarantee you one thing. Um they always have talking points in the intranet side of Bank of America. Um it, it used to be called BCO, I believe it's called FCO now. And I'm sure the outage happened, and I'm sure they sent a little memorandum on the top right-hand corner of that that says something to the effect of regarding Bank of America outage. And it's from, you know, their spin control team, and they'll say, Bank of America had an outage, and it lasted approximately an hour. This is what you tell your customers. We apologize for the inconvenience. We worked hard to resolve the solution, and we got it done. Thank them for being a customer of Bank of America. Offer them a financial review. Offer them a financial review. You mean offer them more new accounts after their outage? Can they can access their other accounts? Give me a freaking break! I I know that's what it says because anytime something bad happened with Bank of America, we always got talking points and we always were told what to say and how to say it. I'm sure that they paid more attention internally about what to say about this than they ever wanted to say in the public domain when it comes to at B of A help or at even Bank of America. Anywhere on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere. They chose not to do it. And, and honestly, for, for that very reason alone is one of the reasons why your bank sucks, guys. My name is James Baca. And after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. I'm going to answer a couple of email questions. So please stick around. All right, guys, we are back. And I do have one question from a emailer. James at realityofbanking.com is the new email address for both of my podcasts, both Wire Bank Sucks and The Banker Dude. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to have a, a question that you want to share on the podcast that you want me to talk about, please send it there. I'm I'm really happy to do it. I used to do this um, little section of the podcast every couple of months when I first started, it's been a while since I've done it, so I wanted to get back to it, because I did have one interesting question, and it comes from Derek from Indiana, and he asked me simply, James, what's the weirdest fee that you ever saw at Bank of America? Well, thank you so much, Derek, for that. I really do appreciate it. I want to tell a little story about what I think is the most ridiculous fee at Bank of America, and I, it's really indicative with you know how Bank of America wants to do business, and kind of how perception is everything. Uh, at that company, how they, they feel that, hey, certain people are going to bring them certain value. I remember it. It was one day. It was in the middle of winter. I just remember because I used to wear this big pea coat. I don't like wearing 
coats anymore, to be honest with you. So I was wearing it. And I saw this um, guy who I knew to be a homeless individual. Seen him around a couple of times near the homeless shelter. Really nice guy. He was more like a bikery type guy. He had the leather jacket and he had the big beard and everything. R- really great guy. And he was really always, you know, a gentleman to me. And I was really grateful for that. So he was hanging out of the, um, at the door at about 8.15, 45 minutes before we opened. And he said, hey... Um, I got a question, and I said, you know, I'm doing like a security thing right now, so I'll um, tell you what, if you want to hang on till 9, you'll be the first customer I help, and I, I and I want to make sure that I'm there for you, but I can't do it right now because they're they're watching me, they being corporate security and all the cameras and my manager making sure that I'm not botching my um, just review of the banking grounds to make sure that there's no threats there, no robbers or anything, so... Um, I did my thing. I some you know just you know please hang tight. You know it. It felt bad telling someone to wait for forty five minutes, but you know I guess my stupid perceptions at the time were, you know he's outside all the time because he doesn't have a home. I don't know what I was thinking or what I was smoking at that point, but I shouldn't think like that. But he was he was fine with it. He said yeah sure I'll wait. So I go in. It's like eight twenty five and we do our stupid meetings, all the stuff that we do, and. We get there, and, you know, we're just talking, saying, hey, you see that homeless guy out there? I was like, yeah. He was asking me about something. I told him I'd help him whenever he walked in. So we get to about 10 minutes before opening. It's 8.50 in the morning. I'm just sitting there. I'm just killing time. We did our meeting. We did all the stuff we needed to do. I'm just sitting there just waiting for 9 o'clock to roll around. You know, you can't really go on Facebook or social media on your work computer because it blocks it. So I'm just sitting there just looking. And then I get an email alert saying an appointment was confirmed. And I look at it. It's a person I know to be a really, really rich person. A preferred customer that Bank of America loves. And it's for 9 o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, oh man, the the homeless dude outside is waiting for me. And right when I started to just get a coherent thought about it, my manager said, hey look, so-and-so is coming in. Maybe you should offer them that home equity loan um, that keeps on popping up for them. I'm like... I told the homeless guy that I was going to help him first. And she was like livid. She was like, James, help so-and-so first because, you know, they're preferred. And they set up an appointment. This guy didn't set up anything. And I, and I was like, well, I understand, but I told him 45 minutes ago. If I can help him 45 minutes ago, I would have. And I said, James, a preferred customer, he's homeless. What are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? You're You're wasting your time. And I said, just let me help. Let me help him. And have the person wait. Say, we didn't get the appointment until, you know, once we open the doors. And unfortunately, James is already with someone. It'll be a couple of minutes. We apologize. I was really forceful about making sure that I honored my commitment to the guy that was homeless outside because I knew he was a customer of ours. Guy comes in and he says, I needed to get a credit card. And... You're not supposed to decline people for credit cards. If they want to do an application, more power to them. They're going to do an application. So I went through the place. I said, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to help. These are our terms. 0% interest for 16 months, no annual fee, so on and so forth. I go through the whole spiel with him. And, of course, I asked him the application questions. And I asked him, you know, like, how much do you make a year? Are you employed? And he says, no, I'm retired. I get Social Security. And I make... 4300 a month and immediately I'm like wow 4300 a month that's more than me this guy's on the street and he makes about ten thousand dollars more than i do i was just it was just so humbling and i said well yeah you get social security and you get va and i was like yeah it's a good amount of money good for you 
And and he asked me, am I going to get approved for this card? I was like, unfortunately, I can't tell you that. They don't let me give my opinion. But let me show you these terms and disclosures. I'm going to turn the screen over. I want you to review that. If everything looks good, go ahead and click um, submit application. We'll see if it gets approved. Of course, the rich person's waiting outside. Just waiting, waiting, waiting to be helped. And they're looking in. They're so frustrated. They're like, why the hell didn't this person help me first? I had an appointment, blah, 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 blah. So I'm just looking at her, and I'm helping Cam. I was like, go ahead and hit accept. Guy gets approved for a $5,000 credit card. I give him a high five. I said, congratulations. That means you're, you've taken care of your credit. That means you're doing what it takes to to keep your finances right. So good job. Um, here's the disclosures that I got to give you. You're gonna get the card in five to seven days at your PO box, and come see me whenever you get your card. We'll activate it, make sure everything's working. Okay, Mr. Baca, you're a lifesaver. Shakes my hand, gives me a pat on the back. This is a guy that I would see almost every single month until I got fired. I consider him a friend. If I saw him walking around the streets, I'm gonna say, "Hey, there you are," and shake his hand. I'll give him a, I'll give him a hug. You know, it, it's important to me to still have those those ties that bind because. I made that dude's day. He took care of his freaking credit. I didn't do a damn thing. All I did was type in his name and how much he made a month, and he got approved for a credit card. Now, I don't know if he's owing thousands of dollars on it. Maybe I shouldn't feel too good about it. But he got approved for something that he wanted. And my manager was like, yeah, no, help the preferred customer first because she's got a line of credit available to her that we can probably try to sell her on. So um, once he left, he got the card application, the little thing that uh, Bank of America makes the customer sign. And I just looked at her and I was like, and what? <laughs> and I was just so cocky and so confident. I'm like, I got a $5,000 credit card that this man will use because of me. And that means good things for my sales credit, my month and quarter and whatnot. So I was really excited and pumped. Of course, with that confidence, I'm going to go in to the to the rich customer and she was great to us she was really nice you know she would give us candy during christmas and stuff and i said hey come on in let's talk about what's going on i, I saw that your appointment popped up after i already helped that gentleman how can i help and the whole conversation mind you there's a lady who had fifty thousand dollars in her account multiple credit cards and she was a mainstay at my branch the entire time i was there went in for one reason one reason only threatening to close her account out because she got charged what's called a $3 check image fee. That, Derek, is the worst fee the Bank of America charges, in my personal opinion, more than overdrafts, and here's why. So I've always said a million times Bank of America doesn't like checks. I, I've said it, you know, until I'm blue in the face. They don't like checks. They want things paperless. They want to use Evil Zell. They want to use peer-to-peer -peer transfers. They don't. They don't want to be in the business of transporting paper across state lines they you know so checks and everything of the ilk are just something that they don't want to do time was a generation ago your bank would send you your canceled checks in the mail of course they would have all the bank stamps and whatnot on the back and you would keep them for your records for your taxes and you know every old person over the age of 50 probably at some point in time saved their canceled checks if they wrote checks i know my grandparents did I know that my mom did whenever she had a checking account back in the 80s. This was something that everyone did. So banks would send it. But, of course, whenever you're sending a lot of paper, you have to send it, you know, by mail. And postage is expensive. So Bank of America about, I don't know, about eight years ago said, hey, we're no longer sending the cancel checks to you. We're going to have um, one sheet that comes with your bank statement. And it's going to have photocopies of your images, of your checks. 
So every month in this little six-page statement, you get a, a sheet that lists, let's say you had 10 checks. You have 10 little tiny checks that you couldn't even read if you had a magnifying glass. You couldn't read the legible writing with a magnifying glass. On this little piece of paper saying, here's check number 11115, $50. And you look, is that, is that McDonald's? Is that McDowell's? What the What is that? You don't even know what you're writing, but it's this little piece of paper that has these little tiny thumbnails of checks that you can't make out. And that was Bank of America's solution for, hey, we don't need to send this big stack of checks to everyone every single month. Cost too much money. So we'll just throw them on a piece of paper and here you go, sir, ma'am, here's your checks. And of course, the people who complained about not having canceled checks had to opt in to receive their check images on their statement because... I don't know, apparently there's a security issue with having your canceled checks on a piece of paper, the routing and account number. I, I never knew why they needed to opt in and say, yes, I want the images of my checks, please. I always wanted them. Now I continue to still want them. So we get to the point where we enrolled people back in the day into receiving their check images. But guess what? They charged $3 for that. So you went from Bank of America sending you your canceled checks to full-size copies of them Every single month, that way you can keep them from your records, to putting these little tiny thumbnail things that are no bigger than my pinky finger, smaller even, onto a piece of paper saying, hey, here's all your check images that you need for your taxes that you can barely read. And for that, they charged you a $3 service charge for that. What, what, what testicular fortitude... (laughs) Bank of America has. They not only gave you less, they charged you infinite times more. They gave you cancel checks for free while they're giving you little tiny images for $3 a month, $36 a year, even for preferred customers. And this lady was livid. This lady had been charged several times, and she was like, I'm going to close my accounts out, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I always wanted to be in her good graces, of course, with all my preferred customers. That's just the Bank of America way, to be quite honest with you. So I went to my refund decision tool. I, I need to do a podcast about the refund decision tool because it's it's got a lot of problems. I don't know if it's changed, but it was the worst thing that Bank of America ever came up with, in my opinion. I looked, and she she got approved for them all. She had never overdrafted or anything before. She got approved for, I think it was like seven or eight of them, $24. I came back just, yeah, no worries. You know, let me do this. But... I, I strongly urged, I was like, let me opt you out of this because it's going to charge you again. And just in case I'm never here again, hey, guess what? I'm not there anymore. You may get, be maybe getting charged for this, so please let me opt you out. Well, how do I look at checks? I was like, let me show you how to do it on the app. There's the image of the check front and back. If you want, send a screenshot, send it to your email, print it out. I know it sounds complicated, but once you get the routine, you'll be able to do it. Don't let Bank of America charge you $3 for a sheet of paper. Please don't let them do that. I don't want them to, so please don't. Oh, James, you're a lifesaver. You're a great person. Thank you so much. I never got that home loan from that person, nor did I get anything else in the time that I was there at Bank of America. But, of course, I made a friend for life that one day with uh, my homeless customer who did get approved for that credit card and who always asked me for financial advice. You know, far be it for me to not give advice to everyone. This person doesn't seem like he has a lot of means, but, in fact, he made more money than me. He just chose to spend his money a different way, and I try to help help him every step of the way. And I was really grateful for that. And it is always something until the day that I left that particular branch that I was stuck in the face of my manager. I said, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. We thought this guy was, you know, just a homeless bum on the street. I was like, he has more usage of his accounts than this lady does. 
He uses his account because he uses it to, to eat. He uses it to pay his bills every single month. You know, Maybe he uses it for other stuff. I don't know. But he is a responsible person who uses his debit card, who uses his account, which is what banks want. They want someone who has a lot of usage. This lady, she had money, but she never used it. She wrote checks. She was everything that the bank didn't want, yet she was the preferred customer. So once again, I say don't judge a book by its cover. That person, the homeless person, provided way more value than the person who had a lot of money. But to tie it back around to the fee question, Derek, like I said, the most ridiculous thing is the $3 a month check image service fee because they are taxing older people. They are taxing people who have to have checks for business purposes. And although we enroll people in online and mobile banking, we're not allowed to touch their phone or we're not allowed to just kind of give them a tour saying, hey, this is how you look at your front and back check images. Here's how you print them out or this is how you can screenshot and then you can send them to your accountant or whatever. We're not allowed to do that. So we're trying to empower people by sending them away with this app or with this online banking and they don't know how to freaking use it. The check image service fee is a piece of paper and a statement of a bunch of pieces of paper that you never look at. I don't look at my statement. I never have. 99% of the people probably never just fully look up and down their statement because I always used to say a statement is the story of what you did, not what you're doing. So if you should already know what you've done. And I hate that fee, and I wish it would go away, but Bank of America just chose to tax people $3 for the, for the pleasure of making these teeny tiny photocopies on a piece of paper, and it's just ridiculous. So if they're making thumbnail images of your checks, if they are judging you by the fact whether or not you have a house or you're a preferred customer, if there's a massive outage and they're not telling you about it, my friends, those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca, and after this brief promotional consideration, I'll be right back to close it out, so please stick around. podcast listeners my name is james baca the host of the wire bank sucks podcast inviting you to join us on patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash wire bank sucks to sign up we ask that you contribute as little as one dollar to support the podcast your contribution will help keep this podcast alive keep the lights on and help us continue to fight for your rights as a consumer i consider this my passion project i'm dedicating hundreds of hours per month to fighting for you so for just one dollar you can help me continue the fight with any contributions over two dollars you'll start to receive bonus podcasts five dollars will get you a small merchandise item and fifteen dollars will get you all future books published by yours truly james baca the host of this podcast we need strength in numbers so support us on patreon today that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash sucks and thank you so much for being a part of the team. All right, guys, crunch time. Patreon.com slash sucks. Donate $1, donate $2, donate what you can to help support this podcast. The next time Patreon will be charged, of course, will be December 1st. So get your donations in. I really could use them to help sustain this podcast. And also go to my store. It's at bankofamericasucks.xyz or wallsfargosucks.xyz. I'm going to have a better .com domain name for it shortly. I'm going to have stickers, t-shirts. I'm going to have a way to donate on there. Please support us, guys. Don't make me... This sounds weird. Don't make me have to get a real job where I can't help people the way that they deserve to be helped. I'll work fast food. I don't care. I'll be a janitor. I don't care. 
I want to do this for you. I want to work full time for you. So if you feel the need to say, hey, I want James to help other people, donate a dollar. Donate 50 cents even. Help me out. Help me out and help support this podcast that you know is changing lives. 260,000 plus rescued from big banks since April 1st, guys. Two books coming out really soon. I'm going to make the announcement once I'm finished with the second book. I already did the employee version. I want to give you the um, Twitter perspective of my help via books. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be called The Bank Screwed Us or Why Bank of America Sucks. So please check those out whenever they're released. I will have links. I'll have giveaways. I'll have a way of receiving the book instantly via ebook. Just just find a way to support this podcast, guys, because I know that we're doing good work. And I say we because it's me and the clientele of big banks that are needing help. I can't work hard unless you give me uh, work to, to do. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for your trust and all your support. This podcast is a labor of love, and I want to continue this labor, and I want to continue loving my friends. So please go to Patreon. Go check out my store. Check out the books when they come out. Help keep Wire Bank Sucks afloat and help keep Wire Bank Sucks successful and help support people who need help with banks. Guys, I love this podcast. I love talking to you guys. I'll be back a little bit later on in the week with a conversation that we've had already. Bank of America is raising their minimum wage to $20 an hour. But instead of 2021, they said, hey, what the hell? We're going to do it um, next quarter one of next year, 2020, a full year before. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. And not just because I was shortchanged my entire time of working there. I'm telling you that it's probably the trigger of something more meaningful and impactful to customers with this pay increase. So be on the lookout for that podcast later in the week. I want to talk in great detail about that. But again, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Leave a five-star review if you got iTunes. I can't tell you enough. Thank you. My name is James Bach, and I just told you why your bank sucks. All right, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again.